0: title today is God Knows About All Your Emotions. We women are very emotional, aren't we? And God knows about all of our emotions, everything about us. And as we've been looking at this story of David over these recent um, months, we've been looking at how God had anointed him to be the next king of Israel. We've been looking at how Saul was on the throne and Saul had turned away from God, so God had told Saul that he was going to tear the, 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 the throne from him and he was going to give the throne to David. And because of, Jo's, of Saul's jealousy and because of his turning away from God, turning into darkness, uh, we saw that he actually became very a very paranoid man, a, very, a man full of fears and a man who was actually making very irrational decisions and who was uh, really out of control at times. And because of his anger that was out of control and because he was actually firing spears at David trying to kill him, David had to flee and had to go into the wilderness to be safe. So we saw last week that David had helped a group of people In 1 Samuel 23, we saw that that there were some people who lived in a town called Keilah. And because the Philistines were robbing them, David asked God, should he go to help these people? And God said, go. And David actually put himself in danger and went right into the town of Keilah in order to fight the Philistines to help David. And he put himself in danger because it was a walled city. And if Saul had come down... And found David in that wall city he would have been he would have been trapped in there. So David had put himself out to help these people. And we saw last week that whenever Saul decided he would come up and try and, and, and find David, that God asked uh, David asked the Lord, What will I do? Will these people of Keilah will they betray me or will they stand up for me? And God said they'll betray you. Isn't it interesting that David had risked his life for these people who lived in Keilah and yet these people were unthankful. These people didn't appreciate they didn't appreciate what David had done for them. They had unthankful hearts so there was no faithfulness in them. And so they actually were ready if need be they were prepared to hand David over to Saul so as to save their own necks. Isn't it amazing how often that happens in life? We help people and actually they don't show any gratitude, the opposite, they would betray us. And so David knew the pain of betrayal. And I just felt it was important to go back over that again, to remind us that betrayal is a very, very painful feeling, emotion. And not only did they betray him, but they were unfaithful, that sense of being unfaithful, it's a painful emotion. And David felt that emotion. And as we look Today, at David's Emotions, we're going to see that God was in tune with his emotions step by step. And you know what? He's in tune with your emotions. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly how you feel. He knows how how pain, and and especially this first one, this pain of betrayal, and of people being unfaithful to us, he knows how painful that is. And and you know, I'm not surprised that, that David wrote Psalm 139. Let's just read a couple of verses of that before we get into the story, just to remind ourselves of what David wrote. We're not quite sure exactly at what point in his life he wrote this psalm, but he knew what it was like to suffer pain, but he also knew that God was with him. Let's just read a few verses of Psalm 139. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. God knows you. You know my sitting down and my rising up. He knows whenever you're on a downer and he knows whenever you're rising up again. God, you understand my thoughts afar off. He knows everything that goes through your head. (laughs) Mind you, that's a lot sometimes. You understand my path, my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. For there's not a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it all together you have hedged me behind and before and you've laid your hand upon me. David realized that God was with him and that God was protecting him and putting a hedge around him. He realized that Satan couldn't go over that hedge, that when God puts a hedge around you, the enemy can't cross it. David was aware of God's presence with him in the pain and the difficulties of his life. And he said, Lord, you have hedged me in behind and before and you've laid your hand upon me. He knew that God put his hand on him at times and calmed him down. (laughs) And sometimes we need to feel God's hand on us. And we need to just calm ourselves. We need to know that God is with us. David said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's so high I can't reach up to it. You see, God's way beyond anything that we can know. We think we can reach out. Listen, we'll never reach to the heights of how great he is and how good he is and how wonderful he is. David realized he was he was so high he couldn't he couldn't reach out and touch him. And then he said, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? We've got to remember that David had to flee from Saul. That David was on the run. And you know, we're gonna see as we read these next verses that he was on the run every day, that Saul was pursuing him every day, just like the enemy pursues you and me. Because as we go through life on a daily basis, For most of us, there are daily battles. Would you agree with me? The enemy is after us. And let's just read, we'll continue reading Psalm 139 for a moment. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. Even in the times when you feel like you're in hell, you feel that hell's been let loose in your life, you need to know that God is with you even then. David said, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Isn't that amazing? That in the midst of it all and all the pain, and we're going to see he had a lot of different, different emotions going on in his life at this time, he knew that God was with him in them all. He said, your right hand shall hold me and it shall lead me. If I say, here's what David said, if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. We're going to see today that David was in a dark place. Were you ever in a dark place? David was a witness to say that in the darkness, that that God would be with him. If I say, "Surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me," indeed the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. David said, "The darkness and the light." are both alike to you. If you're in a dark place or you're in a good place, it's full of light today. God's with you wherever you are. For David said, you form my inward parts. Then he goes on to talk about how God made him, how all his parts were written, how God knew everything about him, knew about his emotions, knew about his hurts, knew about his failures, knew about his, his, his problems, knew all of everything that was going on in his life. And at the end, towards the end of the chapter, he says in verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. David knew that God was thinking about him. I wonder today, are you aware that God has thoughts about you? that God thinks about you and his thoughts that are just about you. David said, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. David said, when I awake, I'm still with you. Do you know in the mornings when you be waking up, you need to remind yourself that God is with you. You need to remember no matter what you're facing that day that God is with you. And then towards the end of the chapter, he says in verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We'll probably come back to that psalm at a couple of different stages, but I just felt it was really important to remind us that David knew what it was like to experience these emotions. And you see, God God really wants us to be a people, to be women who are thankful, and women who appreciate what others do for us, but also more importantly, appreciate what God does for us. And God wants us to be a thankful people, and He wants us to be faithful women. And I just wrote down a couple of verses in your in your notes. First Thessalonians five and eighteen. Paul wrote, In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Why does God say in everything, give thanks? Because do you know what I'm going to tell you? I'm going to let you into one of the biggest secrets in my life. Do you know what I have discovered? That whenever something's really nasty and you hate it, whenever something's really bothering you and it's causing you pain, it's causing you anxiety, it's causing you distress, whenever that happens in your life, whatever that might be, do you know what I learned, a wee secret? Start thanking God for it. Start saying, Lord, I don't like this. I I, I don't like it, Lord. I'm going to be truthful with you, but I'm going to thank you for it because you're going to work something good out of this for me. And I'm going to praise you, and I'm going to praise you in the dark place, and I'm going to be thankful to you. And God loves a thankful heart, and I'm going to tell you something. When you do that, it's like God turns a key, and the enemy is defeated. It actually... We would say pulls the rug out from under the enemy's feet. It it takes away legal ground that he might have to come against you and cause you all kinds of anxieties. God wants us to be a thankful people who will give thanks to him and be thankful to others as well when they help us and do us a good deed. These people in, in, uh, in Keilah were not thankful and they were not faithful Exodus 20, verse 3, where the Lord, the first commandment where the Lord says, have no other God before me. That's faithfulness. That's faithfulness. We're not turning this way or that way or looking for somebody else to be in the place of God, but we're looking to him. God wants us to be thankful and wants us to be faithful. Matthew 25 21 says, well done, good and faithful servant. He wants us to be faithful. And the Bible says if you're faithful in the little That means that you're going to be faithful in the big. So it's the little things. It's the little things in life that we think, oh, it doesn't matter, but God's looking. He's looking at the little things to see if we're faithful in the little, and then he can trust us with the bigger things. It goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 4 and 2, it is required in stewards to be found faithful. I want to tell you that there's some of you in here today I would say actually go further to say that all of you in today are stewards. A steward is someone who has been given something by God to take care of and to bless others with. And some of you have got the stewardship perhaps of finances or something else but there's others in here today and you have been made a steward because God knows that in you there is the ability to encourage others or to speak a word for God or to just be a a bright light in a dark place but it's important that we're faithful for those of us that God gives the responsibility to steward something for him that we are found faithful and then Uh, Revelation 2 and 10 be faithful until death and Jesus said I will give you the crown of life God is looking for us to be faithful to him because you know what he is faithful to you he's a faithful God he cannot change he cannot change his, his personality he can't change his character even whenever we are unfaithful God remains faithful first Timothy isn't that the truth He's a faithful God and he wants us to reflect his nature in a dark world. He wants us to shine as lights in a dark world that people will see his faithfulness in us and see thankfulness in all things in our lives and you know we'll begin to cut through problems and cut through difficulties whenever we start to praise and thank God whenever bad stuff is going on so we'll see first of all that he dealt with these uh, these people from Keilah and now we're going to pick up the story finally getting down to the story in 1st Samuel 23 verse 14 and it says and David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph." Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then, we'll, no, we'll not read any further, we'll just finish to there, and we'll do the next verse in a wee moment. From verse 14 to 15, we see that David was experiencing daily pressure from Saul, it says, did you notice that? It says that Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hands. I'm going to tell you something, that we have an enemy. Jesus said we had an enemy who wanted to kill and steal and destroy. And do you know what? He comes against us every day. And all of us know what it's like to, to go through life with pressure. And David was having this pressure in his life. And it was at this time of pressure that David was going to need to encourage himself. That David was going to pray and shout and call out to God to help him. We were reminded this morning in the prayer room, I think it was Beth, who reminded us of Psalm uh, 43. Where uh, the, the, the cry went out, um, uh, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. And you know, I believe that was, would have been a prayer of David's, where in the, in this, under this pressure, day by day, where Saul was after him and pursuing him, that David was under pressure and David would have called out to God. And he, he, must, have, he must have felt that pressure. Did you ever feel you're under great pressure? for whatever reason, that you just felt pressurised every day. Pressure entails fearfulness. It entails negative emotions. And David, I believe, that he would have cried out. And, you know, David had a great great habit of speaking to himself. Did you ever talk to yourself? (laughs) David did that. He's talking. You see, your soul is your mind and your will and your emotions. And in this psalm, in Psalm 42 and 43, actually, Whoever writes this psalm, this psalm is, is actually talking to himself. And he's saying to himself, why are, you, why are you all down today? What's wrong with you? He's talking to his soul. He said, why are you cast down? Hope in God. Because do you know what? You've got to praise him. And how often I speak to people and I speak to myself. And I said, you know what, Lord, things might not be just the way I want them right now. But I know, I know that in a few days or whatever, you're going to take me through this. And then the psalmist said, oh, send out your light and your truth and let them lead me and let them bring me to your holy hill. And so David was in this place of pressure. And you know, when we think about our own situations, and I don't know where you are today, but whatever you're going through, I want to encourage you that God's with you and I want to encourage you. That is why Jesus taught his disciples to pray, deliver us from evil. Because evil is in the world. There is a real person called Satan who has a a whole tribe of legions of, of demonic angels of darkness who are after you and who do not want to see you walking in the light and enjoying healthy emotions. The enemy destroys us and often he uses fear and pressure and all of this negative stuff to bring us down and to bring us to a place where we actually break off our fellowship with God. You see, when you feel under pressure and you feel afraid, fear is the opposite to faith. And, and if we're full of feeling under pressure and feeling afraid, then we we'll begin to find our whole emotions start to go down and we feel ourselves cut off almost from enjoying God. Have you ever noticed that? That when you allow fear to come in, the enemy uses it to stop you enjoying God because he doesn't want us to walk with God and to enjoy him. And that's what God's purpose is for your life, that you would enjoy him. And so in this time, I'm sure that he called out to God. And you know, whenever we're going through those difficult times, we need to remember three things. First of all, remember that you have the Holy Spirit in you. And remember that Romans 8 says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for you with words that cannot be uttered. And he intercedes for you according to the will of God. So you need to know and settle this in your mind that God's will for you is good and perfect and acceptable. It's not something that you won't like. God's will for you is perfect. And when you believe that God's will is for you and the Holy Spirit is praying and interceding for you, when you don't know how to pray, that the Holy Spirit's (coughs) praying for you according to the will of God, you can begin to sit back a wee bit and relax. And then on top of that, whenever you realize that Jesus himself is also interceding for you and that he intercedes for you as your great high priest and we touched on this last week. And I just wanted to read this to you in the message because it talks about Jesus uh, as our as our high priest um, in in Hebrews chapter 7, 20, verse 23. And here's what it says in the message. Jesus priesthood is permanent. He's there from now to eternity to save everyone who comes to God through him. Listen to this. Always on the job to speak up for them. Isn't that powerful? That not only is the Holy Spirit interceding for you, But God's on the job, the Lord Jesus Christ is on the job to speak up for you and intercede for you. And that he's there on a permanent basis, right from right now. Do you know, if you've trusted Jesus as your saviour, eternity starts now. We are now living in eternity. And that's why God wants our quality of life to rise. He wants us to be one with him. He wants us to enjoy him. He wants us to know what it is to walk with him. And so we know that Holy Spirit's with us. We know we have Jesus who prays for us. And the third thing is we need to know that we will not be tempted above what we're able to stand. Let me read what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except as such as is common to man. But God is faithful. There it is again. God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to to endure but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear so you need to know if you're under pressure that the lord will he'll make sure in the way out he will take you through and he's praying for you those are the three things that you need to know, and so David was in this daily place, and 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 I believe that that as David cried out to God, feeling this pressure of being run down by Saul, and just living in this on this in this wilderness, you know, wilderness paints a picture of us. Old, doesn't it doesn't speak of a dry place. It speaks of a place where where we just feel parched and alone and and uh, depressed and all of the negative thoughts that come with the word wilderness. And you see, when God knows. What we're under when he knows we're under pressure we've just read that he makes a way of escape and do you know what i think he did to help david at this time to make a way of escape for him he sent him someone he sent him someone to come and strengthen his hand in god let's just read about it in the next couple of verses it says david was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest verse 16 then Jonathan. Saul's son arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And Jonathan said to David, do not fear for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel and I shall be next to you. Even my father knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord And David stayed in the woods and Jonathan went to his own house. Do you know whenever you are in a place that you need encouragement I can tell you God knows how to encourage you. It might be if you just happen to read something and it just speaks right into your situation and you know it's a word from God and it just settles you and strengthens you. It just could be a word like that. It could be through someone that, uh, something that somebody speaks to you. It could be a dream in the night. God knows how to reach you, but oftentimes God will send you someone to come and encourage you. And I just love the fact that Jonathan, Saul's son, was prompted to leave the palace and to come out to the woods, down to the wilderness, to find the specific place where David was, to come to David, whenever David was in a place of desperation. You see, God knows when we're under the pain of betrayal. He knows when we're under the pressure. He knows when we're fearful. He knows all of those emotions. But he also knows times when we need a word of encouragement. And you know what? He can send somebody to you whenever you need a word. I love to think, as a woman, come into the prayer meeting there on a, before we meet on a Tuesday morning, so often God just gives a word. And he wants to give us words and he wants us as the body of Christ to operate in that way that we will be actually asking God to give us words for ourselves but also words for others. Because how amazing is it that we can actually encourage each other. And God sent Jonathan, He got to know that in the natural, Jonathan was supposed to be the next king. He was Saul's son. But Jonathan was such a person and such a character, such a Christ-like character. That he, he knew that God had chosen David over him. And all he wanted to do was to bless David and encourage him. And he knew that David would be king instead of him. But there was no jealousy, there was no bitterness, there was no, why was it not me? There was there was none of that. There was just a love for God and a love for David. And he came out, and I often think of the two of them in the woods. I often think of David leaving I often think of Jonathan leaving the palace and coming to David and in the in the words. can't you see the two of them? Can't you see the tears? Can't you see the, the despair of David? Can you see this point of desperation where he's just feeling, I can't cope anymore, I can't cope with this. This is too much for me, I can't cope. And all of a sudden he looks up and Jonathan, his friend, is there. The one who made a covenant with him, the one who said, you know what? We're in covenant agreement and friendship together. You know, covenant love is powerful. It's the same love that God has for you. It's a covenant that cannot be broken. God's love for you cannot be broken. He has come into a covenant relationship with you. And Jonathan was there just when David needed him. And Jonathan starts to speak to him. And he says, don't be afraid, David, because my father's not going to get you. The enemy's not going to take you over. God is going to be faithful. God is going to keep his word. God is going to set you on that throne. And I want to tell you today, whatever the enemy's telling you, do not listen to his lies. I want to be like Jonathan today. I want to tell you, do not fear. God will keep his promise to you. God will see you through. God will fulfill the things that he has for your life. Just trust him. Just trust him. And, you know, Jonathan came, and, you know, I read this through the week somewhere. It says that Jonathan couldn't rescue David, but he strengthened his hand in God. Mm -hmm. Jonathan couldn't give David all the answers, but he strengthened his hand in God. Jonathan couldn't stay with David, but he strengthened his hand in God. This was a precious gift. This was Jonathan... fulfilling his stewardship to be an encourager. This was him being faithful as a good steward of God to go out and to be to bring encouragement to David when he needed that desperately to be encouraged. Jonathan couldn't rescue David, but he strengthened his hand in God. I love what, uh, what um, Alan Redpath wrote He said, David knew that all the question marks of his life were in the hand of God. I want to repeat that. David knew that all the question marks in his life were in the hand of God. He knew it was impossible to be in God's hand and in the enemy's hand at the same time. Isn't that quite a thought? You can't be in God's hand and the enemy's hand at one time. And Jonathan came out and strengthened David's hand in God. Alan Redpath, one of my favourite Bible teachers when I was growing up as a young girl, here's what he went on to say. The gloom begins to disappear and fear departs as faith emerges in glorious triumph. This man, David, is rising out of his testing and adversity to learn to put his utter dependence on the Lord. That's what it's all about. It's a training school. We're all in the training school. David was being trained to sit in that throne just as sure as you're being trained for whatever you're going through right now. You're being trained for the destiny that God has over your life. And you need to start to declare it. And you need to know that you're in God's hand. And sometimes we need a Jonathan to come. Sometimes we need to be a Jonathan to somebody else. And sometimes we need to be uh, like a have a Jonathan in our lives. We're not say in these notes, for every faithful Jonathan, there's also a Ziphite willing to betray. We're going to see there were those people who were ready to betray David. Let's just look on to the next part of the story. It says, Then the Ziphites came. Now these boyos, was are worth a watch Them. I wonder if you got a Ziphite in your life. These notes said, for every faithful Jonathan, there's also a Ziphite willing to betray. The enemy looks for Ziphites. Do you know that, well, let's just read it, verse 19. Then the Ziphites came up to Saul at Gilbeah, saying, Is David not hiding with us in the strongholds in the woods in the hills of H- 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 Hakila, which is on the south of Jezimon? Now, therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to come down. And our parts of the Ziphites shall be to deliver David into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have had compassion on me. Please go and find out for sure and see the place where David's hiding out and who has seen him there. For I am told, said Saul, that David's very crafty. Did you get that? Saul says, I'm told that David's very crafty. Therefore see and take knowledge of all the lurking places where David might be hiding and come back to me with certainty and I will go with you and it shall be if he's in the land that I will search for him throughout all the clans of Judah. So they arose and went as if before Saul. Okay, so let's just get this next part of it, next part of the story. We see that, uh, that David had just received, um, just received encouragement. Isn't God's timing amazing? Yeah. David was in desperation, feeling under pressure in the woods. All of a sudden, Jonathan's there to take the pressure off him. But it wasn't only for what had passed, but it was for what was to come. Isn't God amazing the timing? How he sends us a word, and often it's for what we've just gone through, but very often it's for what we're about to go into. God's timing is perfect, and God will speak a word of encouragement to us. And so David was was actually about to be attacked by another group of people. Jonathan had said to him, don't worry, don't worry, my father won't get you. God will keep his promises. David had had been encouraged. And sometimes, I wrote in your notes this morning, sometimes we just need to remind each other that the enemy is aware and afraid of God's promises to us. Sometimes that's all we need to do is remind each other that the enemy already is defeated. We need to declare that he is already defeated. That Satan knows he is already defeated. 1 John 4 and 4 says that greater is in you than he who is in the world. The battle, listen, ladies, the battle has been won. The enemy is already defeated. We just need to live in the knowledge of that and in the truth and the power of that. So these Zephites came up to Saul to offer him help. The painful part of this for, uh, for, for David, we've looked at the pain of betrayal, we've looked at the pain of being under pressure, we've looked at how God can heal our emotions through friends. But you know this particular situation that David was coming into now, the pain of it was that these Ziphites were actually from the same tribes as, as David. They were from they were from the tribe of Judah. These people were actually part of David's clan, of David's extended family. And I'll tell you, there's a particular pain whenever whenever. Family speak against us. There's a particular pain whenever family let us down and betray us. And that's exactly what happened here. And so David knew what it was to have this pain. I wrote in your notes, know, family betrayal has a pain all of its own. And did you, did you notice when I read the story that these Ziphites came up to um, to, to Saul to, and they said to him, uh, here we are and we're, we're, um, we're coming to let you know where David is. I want to read it to you exactly as it says here. They came to Saul saying David's hiding with us in the strongholds, in the woods, in the hills of uh, Hakeelah. Now Hakeelah, the meaning of that place is dark. So these were people who lived in that area with a name that means darkness and they're coming up and they're saying to Saul, David's down here with us, he's in the dark. That's basically what they were saying, he's in a dark place. Were you ever in a dark place? That's where David was. That was literally the name of the area that he was in. And it says that this place, Hakila, which is on the south of Jezimon. Now, I just read this week that Jezimon wasn't actually a town. It wasn't actually a place. It was a phrase that simply meant a waste wilderness. It, it meant a place where there was a solitude and desolation. And when you think of David living in this area, you know, physically speaking, it was a wasteland. It was a place of desolation. And spiritually speaking, that's where we find ourselves as well. Because often we find ourselves in a dark place and often we find ourselves in a kind of a wasteland, a place of desolation. And that's where David was right then, a dark place. You see, I love that, that Psalm 139 actually talks about the darkness. Did you notice when I read it, I'm going to read it to you again, where David wrote, If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. I want to tell you something, that these these Ziphites, they were living in a dark place, but they didn't know God. They were coming to betray David. But they were coming to help Saul just to help themselves, just to make life easier for themselves. They were, we would say, sucking up to Saul. But David, although he was physically living in darkness and in desolation and in a waste place, David wasn't actually in the outer darkness. He wasn't in a place where, he, where God wasn't with him. God was with him in the darkness, and when God's with you in the darkness, he can, he can turn the darkness into light. And so David was at this particular time in this wasteland, or solitude place, place of desolation. The idea of this, this name, jesimon, meaning a wasteland or a, a, a desert, it's actually the same word that's referred to in Isaiah 43, uh, verse 13, where it talks about God making a way in the wilderness. You know that verse, he'll do a new thing, he'll make a way in the wilderness. And actually, the word in the, one of the translations is that God will make a road in the wilderness. And one of my favorite songs is, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And that's where David was. He was in a place of desolation. He was in a, basically we would say he was in a place where his emotions could just have gone right down. He was in a place of just feeling the solitude, feeling the, the, the pain of it all. And in this place, this is where these Ziphites came. to to actually uh, betray him. I read this in the commentary uh, yesterday, in Ellicott's commentary, and I want to read it to you. It says that Jezemon is used to speak of the dreary desert which extends between the Dead Sea and the Hebrew mountains. And it's a plateau of white chalk terminated on the east by cliffs which rise vertically from the Dead Sea shore to the height of about 3,000 feet where the scenery is barren and wild beyond description. And that's taken from uh, Condor, a, light, a book called Tent Life in Palestine. And this is actually the wilderness, Ellicott's commentary says, the, uh, the wilderness of Judea, spoken, of, spoken about in, in Matthew chapter 3, where John the Baptist went and began to preach. Isn't it is amazing? We, t- we go to Israel every year, and we go down to the Dead Sea area the Dead Sea has dried up quite a lot and the shore has gone back and back and back but actually the, the, all this barrenness and the rocks and the desolation are all there to be seen and you know you just can see David there you can see where he would have been hiding I can just see it and we actually yeah we just we just go there every year and, and, and there's a place where they found uh, the book, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, where they found the Dead Sea scriptures that had been there from way, 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 way back in the Old Testament. They found them preserved in a pot by a shepherd boy, by an Arab shepherd boy. And when you go in there and you, you do the tour around and you learn, there was a group of people there called Asinis the who, who loved to write the scriptures. And, and that was all they did. They lived apart from everybody else and they lived out in the wilderness. And, you know, when you go there, you realise that John the Baptist may well have been one of their group, because they were, away, they were a way out crowd, and you hear about them, and how they lived on their own out in the wilderness, and it, actually there's this sweet quote where, where the, the um, historian Josephus says, you know, that, that it, it seems like there's something about John the Baptist getting up to leave, to go. He may well have been one of these S&Es who who lived out there, and God put his hand on him and says, now's your time, start to go and preach. It's all down there. It's all around the dead sea. This is alive, folks. This is not some myth. This is not some airy, fairy stuff. This is geographically correct. And this is where David was on the run. And this was where the enemy was after him every day. And these Ziphites made up their business to come to Saul. And the message says that here's the way they put it. Did you know that David's out near us in the caves and canyons? So whenever you're ready to come down, we'd count it an honour to hand him over to you. Do you see just how they were licking up to Saul? How they were out to get David for whatever the reasons were, whatever they thought was going to help their case. And then it goes on to say that Saul said, eh, go and find him. And he said, for I am told. And I When I read this, I think this man has totally lost it. Because he should have known that David was the young shepherd boy who took down the giant that saved his country. He should have known that David fought for him. He should have known better. And here he is describing David as being a crafty person who's lurking around the wilderness. And that they would find it very difficult to find him. But I'll tell you something. Saul had turned away from God. And he was beginning to rationalise lies and accept lies. You know what you know what the truth was that he couldn't face the truth was that it wasn't the fact that david was crafty and it wasn't the fact that he where he was lurking or what, what where he was trying to hide it was the fact that god was protecting him it was the fact that god was looking after david and that's what Saul couldn't stand. That's what Saul hated about the whole situation because he had turned and was going in the wrong, di- wrong direction. And so it says then that when these Ziphites came down and Saul was on his way, let's just read the next verse. So in um, verse uh, 24, it says, David, But David and his men were in the wilderness of Mahon in the plain on the south of Jezimon. So remember, Jezimon speaks of a of a a waste area, a a place of desolation. And Mahon, he was in the wilderness of Mahon, which speaks of, of, Mahon actually means to, to live or to dwell. So this is where he was actually living. This is where he had made his habitation. This is where he was just about getting through. This is where he had set up camp, was in this place called Mahon. But when Saul and his men went to seek David, went to seek him they told David therefore David went down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maon and when Saul heard he pursued David in the wilderness of Maon and Saul went on one side of the mountain and David and his men on the other side of the mountain so David made haste to get away from Saul for Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them but a messenger came, well yeah we'll just read it but a messenger came to Saul saying hurry and come for the Philistines have invaded the land therefore Saul refused returned sorry Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines so they called that place the rock of escape then David went from there and dwelt in the strongholds of Ungeri. That's the end of our reading today. I want to just deal with this last wee bit of the story and see what God wants to say to you out of this story. Did you notice that the time, by the time that Saul came down, David had planted himself and camped in a place called Maon. He was dwelling in the woods. And when he heard that Saul was coming, he moved to a rock, which was probably, it was actually moving onto a a rock, which was actually like a, a mountain. This rock seemed to have been a mountain. Now, just stick with me for a moment. He had been living in a dark place. He had been in the desert, the place of desolation. And now he's dwelling in the wilderness in Mahon and now he's just been told that the enemy's on the way to get him. Can <laughs> you think of a much worse situation? Have you ever felt like that? Where it's gone from bad to worse, where you've been in a dark place, and then it feels like it's moving to the desert, and then it feels like, you know, you're moving to the woods and you're just about getting by and the next thing you hear the enemy's coming. Something's happened that you know is just going, to, you just feel I'm gonna go for, I'm gonna be knocked, I'm gonna be destroyed now. It's all up, the game's up. But you know what David did? He moved to a physical rock. He moved to a mountain which was rock. And I want to tell you, when you're under pressure and you're coming through darkness or desolation, do you know what you need to do? You need to put your feet on the rock Christ Jesus. You need to remember who you are and who he is. And you need to know that he is your rock. Here are some of the verses that David wrote about Jesus Christ being his rock. He said in... um, in, in Psalm 18, I will love you, O God, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and deliverer. I tell you, when we get to the rock, when we begin to realise, David wrote that Psalm 40 where it's written, he lifted me out of the Mary clay, out of the horrible pit and set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings. He put a new song into my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. Do you know what? When you're in a place of darkness, that's where God can do his best work. Now you mightn't feel that. You might feel that actually this is a place of desolation and nothing's happening and I'm I'm going from bad to worse. But do you know what? If you keep looking to God and keep trusting him, his plan is to actually equip you so that others will see and trust in the Lord. God wants you to get to the rock. He wants you to put your feet on the rock. Deuteronomy 32 and 4 says, Ascribe greatness to our God, for he is the rock. His work is perfect and all his ways are just. Listen, he will fight for you. He's a God of justice. He's a great God. He's a God of greatness. And he is your rock. David wrote in Psalm 62, 1-2, to Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock. Verse 7 to 8 says that David wrote again that he was the rock of his strength and his salvation. He said, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart before him. The rock, Christ Jesus. We need to remember that he is there for us that he is the rock we can stand on and depend on now here's the here's the scenario david has heard that saul's on the way he gets onto this rock this mountain i want to paint this picture to you he's on this rock david arrives or saul arrives sorry saul arrives um, and uh, well doesn't i'm just looking to see does it tell us here how many men came with him i know in another instance he came with three thousand anyway he arrives with saul arrives with his army david's on this mountain And David's climbing on the mountain, and Saul's climbing on the other side of the mountain. And they're they're going round in circles, and Saul and his men are actually circling in. They're closing in. Did you ever feel that situation's closing in on you? Did you ever feel that even in your own family that something was coming in against you? Because remember these ifites, remember they were actually from the same tribe as David. Sometimes it's somebody near and dear to you that's causing you a lot of pain. It can be a relationship that's very close, that's actually causing you pain. And did you ever feel that that the enemy was circling around you and about to close in? Can you imagine the fear of that for David to see and know these men are just coming around the mountain and they're, we're we're caught here. And David, it doesn't tell us here, but we know from the Psalms that David was crying out to God. He was in a place of desperation. He needed God to come for him. You know what happened? Saul gets a message. The Philistines have just attacked. And Saul realizes, well, oh, I'll have to go and fight them now. <laughs> Isn't God amazing? Do you know something? God can call your enemy off like that. He can take your enemy offside like that. He can give him some other business to do and let you free. And that's exactly what happened here. And do you know what David and his men said? I, can you just see them beginning to dance around the mountain? You begin to see the joy. As God, God's heard her cry. Look, they're all, they're all leaving. Look, they're packing up. They're going. You see, the joy and the jubilation as to start to dance on, on rock. And then they start to say, you know what? We're not going to call this place the rock anymore. We're going to call this place the rock of escape. You need to know that God is your rock of escape. Amen. He can take you out of any dark hole. He can take you out of any, any waste wilderness. He can take you out of any situation that you might find yourself in. And you know what? He can He can rescue you just the way he rescued David and it says that they call it the rock of escape and then it says that David went up from there and dwelt. He dwelt in the caves and the strongholds around En Gedi. No wonder David wrote in Psalm 124, if it hadn't been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, they would have swallowed us alive. David knew what it was to feel he was about to be swallowed alive. He was going through some training. It was at this time that David wrote the Psalm 54. And if you want to go home and read all of that Psalm, this was the time when the Ziphites were coming against him that he wrote Psalm 54. And he starts off the Psalm by saying, Save me, O God, by your name. And vindicate me by your strength. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ears to the words of my mouth. For strangers, he's saying, as if it's, they're my family, but they're like strangers. And he's saying, they've risen up against me. And oppressors have sought after my life. They have not set God before them. And then immediately, I just want you to get this. He just goes into faith mode. And he says, behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. He will repay my enemies for their evil. Verse verse 6, David makes a choice. I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good, for he has delivered me out of all trouble, and my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. David chose to praise in the midst of the difficulty, and God delivered him.
1: Alan Redpath
0: again made this week quote in relation to David. He said, if you begin with God, your enemies grow small. If you begin with the enemy, you might never reach God. We've got to put God first. Mm-hmm. You see, David was conscious of God's faithful presence in every situation in his life. And he delighted in the fact that God had thought specifically about him did you did you notice that when i read psalm 139 did you read that he said how precious also are your thoughts towards me david actually asked god in psalm 139 to search him even though he knew god was was with him and god was was uh, could see everything and his presence was with him in every situation he actually went on to say search me oh god and know my thoughts. I want to read this to you before we clip before we today. Here's what he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. He, was, he knew that God was with him. He already said it. He says, when I'm down, you're right with me. When I'm up, you're right with me. He knew that. But he's actually, on top of all of that, he's, he's actually inviting God. He said, now, God, I'm giving you permission. Please come and search me even more. Please look into my heart. Please look and see, because I'm going to tell you something you are carrying anxiety sometimes that you don't even realize you're carrying and you know it's a good thing to ask god search me oh god no one look and see any anxieties that i'm carrying any any baggage i shouldn't be carrying search me examine me i love the way they we're about to finish folks but i just love the way that the message puts it um just a wee second till i get psalm 139 in the message if i can very quickly um Okay, Psalm 139. He says, investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. David wanted to be an open book. He wanted to just let God... You see, when we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin releases us, brings healing walking in the light brings healing walking in the light sets us free because Satan hates the light and if you're in a situation that needs to be unravelled or sorted and you feel that that there's confusion or you feel you don't know what to do in the next step the first thing I always say is start to bring things into the light before God and ask God to show you in the light no wonder David wrote to Sam 27 the Lord is my light and my salvation walking in the light that's why we call people to come up here and get prayer because sometimes we need to, to bring stuff out of darkness and bring it into the light so that we can pray and ask God to sort it out that's where he does his business that's where he sorts our lives out we need to be woman of the light living in the light is the best way to have healthy emotions and to be guided by the Lord I've written in your notes that God can heal our hurts, disappointments, trauma, and everything else. And at the same time, he can work it out for good. Romans 8 and 28. For we know that God works all things together for good. Not just some things, but all things. And then at the end of this chapter, we see that David goes off to the strongholds of Evangelii. We're going to look next week. I uh, want going to have a time for you to come and share next week and to share how God has moved in your life over this season from September. And also, I'm just going to give a very short word next week because we're going to look at, at, um, at David and his next encounter with Saul. And we're going to look at, at, at why David was so heartbroken when he cut off the corner of Saul's robe, and he, he realised he shouldn't. We're going to look at, at what the significance of that was. And we're going to look next week at the greatness of God and at the goodness of God as we prepare to think of Christmas and as the fact that Jesus came to this world, we're going to we're going to praise Him, and we're going to go out. We're going to go out with a bang next week. So we just hope and pray that you'll come and be blessed, Father. I pray that you will minister deeply right now as we think of how the enemy tries to encircle us. Lord, sometimes even whenever we're on the rock, even whenever we're trusting you, the enemy still comes to try and encircle us. But we thank you that Lord, when we stand on you, our rock that you can deal with the enemy. Lord, you can take him offside. We do not have to be afraid of him. We want to thank you, Lord, that because of what you've done on Calvary, because you died for our sins, because at the moment that we invite you into our hearts to be our saviour, that you give us your Holy Spirit, that we have Jesus with us at all times, that you've promised never to leave us or forsake us, but to be with us in every situation in life. And that your plan is that our emotions would be healthy, that we would be women who are thankful, we would be women who give praise to God, that we would be women who who can go through the fight, we would be women who can be overcomers, that we would be women who can help others and minister to others because we have received help from you, that we can pass that help on to others. Lord, help us to walk in the light. Help us, O God, for this incoming week to have an encounter with you even as we read these scriptures and remind ourselves of your faithfulness and your goodness to us. What peace that I have found, wherever I may be, for all my ways are known to you. Hallelujah, they are known to you. just reading in Psalm 55, which was written at a time when um, there was a treachery of friendship and verse 4 in the message says, well, in, the, in the New King James, it says, My heart is severely pained within me. But the message says, My insides are turned inside out. Do you ever feel your insides were turned inside out? That's the very time that God will come to brighten your day, to give you the peace that you can find wherever you may be. For all your ways are known to Him. Hallelujah, ladies. All your ways, every single thing that's ever happened to you, every emotion that you have ever experienced, it's known to God, and He was with you as you went through that situation. And His plan is to bring you through. He just wants you to keep being faithful and keep trusting Him. He'll bring you through. Keep in the light, walk in the light as He is in the light. And you know what? He's going to walk you into your destiny. And along the journey, He's going to bless you and make you a blessing, even along the journey. So let's stand together and believe that. And we'll see you next week, God willing, for the last one before Christmas. And go in peace and have a good week. And remember, we're up here at the front. If you want to just come and get, bring something into the light to get a bit of prayer over it, we'd love to do that. Amen.